This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Uh, Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Happy New Year, episode 57, our first of year two with Time Out with Shore Sports. Mark Potter and Mike Bradley alongside this portion of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. And uh, so, Mike, we're here and we've got so much to talk about. So let's jump right into it. Sounds uh, good to me. North Carolina High School looking for a new head football coach as James McCormick finally steps down. Hi, coach. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> I, I say finally because we expected you to do this last year. Yeah, that's what that's what everybody told me. Everybody expected me to go last year, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't quite ready and wanted to stick it out another year or so. And uh, uh, now, just kind of felt like the right time. Yeah, so I, I, I get a text, uh, Mike, from, from Coach that just lets you know, I turned in my resignation, I just met the team. So normally people would text back, but I have a relationship with Coach, so I called him. I mm-hmm. said, you knew I'd be calling. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he's graciously decided to come in. I, I couldn't afford to take him back to the pub um, with, you know, with the three amigos. Um <laughs> Because you know, if we did it at the pub, Colin and Jody are going to want to be there. So, yeah, I was like, "Nah, we're, we're going to do it over the phone." So he's cut. He's cutting costs this year, Coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, he's not making enough money. That's what. That's what the deal is. That's that, what he says. You're exactly right. And so, do you have your beer there so we can at least act like we're doing the pub? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we could definitely do that. So. Anyway, um, so James McCormick, North Carolina High School, um, announced, uh, I guess, what, about two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. that uh, that you are stepping down as the head coach. And just to, to update everybody where we are at that point, I reached out to Athletic Director Nash Ireland this morning, and uh, the, the, the company text back that I got from North Carolina High School is, We've started the search process. The position has been advertised to staff and CCPS faculty. This week, I'll also post the official opening to the public. Our plan is to begin interviews early February and have a selection by the end of February, um, which I guess for that timeline, that in your mind, Coach, is that an adequate timeline? Yeah, you know, as long as they get the right people that, that apply, get a good selection to choose from, I, I think that's an adequate timeline. You know, the, the idea... Uh, with talking with Nash and uh, Principal Matt Spiker was uh, to get a coach early. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be done in the spring uh, to start getting the guys ready. And, um, you know, we wanted to make sure we had somebody in place uh, who was going to get, you know, get around the kids and start doing the things that need to be done and start to develop that relationship. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be a good timeline. I, I'm pretty sure it'll work out. You know, we'll see what happens. So with the group that you had on your staff last year, I mean, you – you brought in some coaches that you know. You had, they were on a couple were on your JV staff. Some were brand new. Uh, in your mind, is there anybody on your staff that you think may be applying for the 
head coach position, or do you think this is going to be somebody from outside? Colin Joseph's already taken his name out of the uh, out of the ring. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think there's one or two guys on the staff they're going to put in for it, and uh, you know we'll see from outside who who puts in. And uh, you know I told Nash and Matt that uh, I'm not going to be involved in the, the selection process. Um, you know I'm staying out of that. It's uh, you know, I, I stepped down, you know, um, it's not my program anymore, and uh, they need to figure out what direction they want the program to go in and uh, make that decision. So, uh, you know, I've kind of removed myself from that process. I told them that if they want my opinion, you know, I'll, I'll give it to them, but, uh, but it, ultimately it's their decision, and they need to do what they feel is best for the program and for the, for the school. Well, and Coach, I certainly hope that they would reach out and get your opinion on this. And I certainly think, and you've earned the right to, to have a say in it, and, and I think that that should ca- carry a lot of weight uh, given the, the job that you've done at the program. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, trying to develop a good program here, and you know, I think we're in a good position. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, who, whoever they get in is going to continue going the right way, maybe make it a little bit better. Coach, let me ask you this. I, I know you just mentioned the fact that uh, you still had fire in your belly. You weren't quite ready to step down at the end of last season, uh, even though your top two coordinators on defense and special teams did. And there was a thought that the three of you would go out together. But is there, I mean, now that we're at this point uh, that you've stepped down, is there some truth, though, to the fact that by coming back, by making some changes, on the coaching staff because of the retirements that you also wanted to be able to with any new assistants kind of get them immersed in the program and potentially groom at least some guys that could be candidates as you just talked about you think a couple guys will put in for the job that you want to leave the good program in good hands and and make sure that uh, you know you hand it off and you feel good about it is there some truth to that too though yeah, I mean, there were a lot of a lot of reasons when I came back. Um, you know, the biggest thing is I still like coaching. I still like being around the kids. I wasn't ready to give it up, you know. And, uh, you know, I still enjoy coaching. You know, I know I'm stepping down. But, uh, you know, the Friday nights are fun. You know, that, that part of it, it's uh, great. I still enjoy it. I still, you know, love being around the kids in the locker room and that kind of stuff. Um, but I came back because I wasn't ready to give it up. Also, we had some young coaches that uh, had been with us but hadn't you know been in positions where they were offensive coordinator and that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. i wanted to give them uh, some opportunities to you know kind of learn some things uh you know as they go you know they're going to make some mistakes you know hopefully i could prevent them from making the really big mistakes <laughs> but you could coach um, them yeah yeah and, and look that's you know i had an opportunity when i first started in 1995 bill miller was the head coach and uh you know bill brought colin joseph and myself in and you know, two young guys that really didn't know a whole lot, but, uh, you know, we're gung-ho and had a little bit of fire in our bellies. And, you know, he allowed us to, to learn some things and figure some things out on our own. And, uh, um, you know, I was trying to repay that a little bit with some of these young guys, give, give them an opportunity to learn some stuff, uh, to get thrown into the fire a little bit, but in a, in a somewhat controlled situation. So that, that was part of it. Uh, but, you know, the biggest reason I came back is I still enjoyed it. Well, Coach, since you do love coaching, buddy, I, I just want you to know that, uh, you know, Thursday nights can be fun, too, and I have a spot on my JV staff if you'd like to join me. I think you're about the fourth or fifth person that's offered me uh, a spot. I'm gonna, yeah, but I'm you know, I, but I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. 
So I tried yeah, to get Jody and Colin, but neither one of them said, no, we can't wear orange. And I always said that, too. But look, I mean, you know, I thought I looked pretty good in orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to take a year off and, uh, you know, try to get bored, and then we'll see what happens. All right, I'll count you in for next year. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. Yeah. Well, and coach, you say that, but that does not surprise me. And, uh, I, you know, I had heard a few rumblings that maybe some phone calls would be made. And, you know, obviously being a head coach and being an assistant, it's different. And uh, there's not as much responsibility on you as a head coach. But but you just mentioned it. You're going to take a year off, and then we'll see what happens. So that that leaves the door open a little bit, though. Right, so the big question is, so where do you go? I mean, <laughs> Donnie Grafe, has, he's gone out of retirement and gone to Kent Island. You know, Jake Coleman gets all the retired coaches at Decatur. So are you going to Decatur or Kent Island? Which one is it, Coach? <laughs> well, we'll see what kind of money they put on the table. Yeah. Well, that's why somebody – you know, I've gotten five texts, at least five. So are you putting in for the job in North Carolina? One, people give me much too, too much credit <laughs> for being a coach. Listen, running a JV program is cake compared to running a varsity program because I like under Coach McCormick. He took care of all the issues. I had to show up, manage my team, and and not screw it up. All right, and continue to teach them. And Griffith's the same way. So, like, Griffith won't let you out of your contract, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So, the thing is, like, I I, I just simply respond. I said, no, no, I don't want to do Friday nights because the pay. I make more with overtime live than I do coaching football. <laughs> Yet he won't spring for a few uh, a few drinks and some food, huh? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. So let let's talk about as we continue to talk with Coach James McCormick from North Carolina High School, announcing that uh, he is stepping down as head coach. He has stepped down. Uh, what were some of the things uh, when you spoke to the kids? I mean, did they have an idea, or what kind of feedback did you get from them? Um, I, I think some of the kids had an idea, you know, that, that it was getting close, you know, uh, that at some point I was going to make a decision, you know, whether it was this year, last year, next year, that kind of thing. And uh, so I don't know if it was a shock. Um, you know, I, I wanted to tell them, I told the kids, I said, you know, I'm a, whatever I decide, I'm going to let you guys know first. And uh, so I got them all in a room. We had a conversation. I just uh, just let them know that, uh, you know, I still love them. I still enjoy coaching them, being around them, uh, being around our other coaches, Um but it was time for somebody else. I'm just getting tired, you know. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do in the off season to get ready for you know September, October, November, and uh, if you want to have a successful program, and and that's that's a lot of commitment, a lot of time, and uh, you know, getting in the weight room in the spring and the summer and seven on sevens and all the other things that go with it. I, I'm just getting a little tired of it. I wasn't excited about doing those parts to it. You know, I still enjoyed camp. I still enjoyed coaching. Uh, the Friday nights, but all the off-season stuff kind of was wearing on me. And if I'm not excited about doing that, then I need to maybe take a little break or, or get out and, and let somebody who, who is excited get a shot at it. You so, know, you, yeah. you, you say that, and, and that's a common thing that we hear. That's what when, Coach Grave told yeah, me. Yeah, and so when you think about it, I don't think people realize how much – I mean – yeah, football's played in the fall, but it really is a, a full-season sport. Because it's become year-round now, Mark. Yeah. Y- you mentioned the weight room, all right, You and doing that, and most teams start that in December, January, and, and they carry all the way to the season through the summer. You know, in your weight room, it's what I think you did three times a week, right? Yeah, we, we yeah. would do three days a week, morning and night, yeah, because we know right. kids have jobs and do different things. Mm-hmm. We wanted them to have an opportunity, so. Sure. I'd go out to the high school eight o'clock in the morning. I'd be there six o'clock at night, you know, 
three days a week all summer long and uh you know that 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 wears on you a little bit you know when you want to you want to do some things and enjoy your summer a little bit um and i was fortunate you know i had some good coaches assistant coaches that that would cover the weight room and help out so if i wanted to get down to the beach for a few days you know with the family i could do that but you know you still have that uh you know you, you ask kids to be there and make a commitment you can't ask them to make that commitment if the if the head coach is not doing at least as much and, and then on, and so, on top of that not only do you have that you've got nowadays you got to make sure the shoulder pads all have to get you know put together and reconditioned helmets get reconditioned and all of that you got the spirit wear that you have to order for the team for the team wear uh heading into the preseason you mentioned the seven on sevens i mean really it is you you take a, a short period of time off after you collect the equipment but then you're right back into it because all that stuff has to get out in november december right Oh yeah, and you know, not not even to mention recruiting. Right. You know, you got a you got a window there as soon as the season ends. You know, late November, uh, you got about a three week window where coaches are allowed to come into the building to visit with kids. Not college um, coaches, so yeah. You, yeah. you know, yeah, you got coaches coming in every day, um, which is great. It's a great opportunity for our kids, but you got to meet mm-hmm. with the coaches. You got to get kids out of class, and then you have some opportunities in January for coaches to come in, and then again, uh, towards the end of the spring, there's another open window for visits. So. You know, there's a lot of you know a lot of stuff going on throughout the year uh, that people really just don't don't realize it's a full time job. Well, and, and coaches, you know, I mean, there's uh, you know football banquets after the season's over. Uh, there's also fundraising going on. Uh, you may have to fill a few assistant coaches' spots. You know, there's all that other stuff that happens. Oh, and the self scouting and all that kind of stuff that takes place. Looking back on the year and then looking ahead as to what you're going to do the next season. Absolutely. I mean, there's, it's just there's so many things that, you know, to sit down and, and, you know, when you start thinking about what you actually do, um, it, it seems like the list just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But, um, you know, that was really the thing. You know, look, I told the kids I love them. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm not leaving the program high and dry. I'm going to be around to help out, you know, with different things. Um, you know, when the new head coach is named, whoever that is, if they want me, you know, to be around, great, I'll be there. If they don't, you know, I'll get out of the way and let them – let them go i'm just not going to be on the practice field with them you know every day and i won't be there on friday nights but uh you know i'm still going to try to keep that relationship to some degree with the kids and uh help out where i can so you're going to be like jody ward you're going to show up in james mccormick's <laughs> box and and you know help him out from the sky uh i don't know about that but, <laughs> you know, we'll, well, we'll, we'll do what we can i, I will tell you you know Ferragamo came to us out of retirement and and he hasn't left us to go back to coaching yet um you know maybe he'll put in for the job at north carolina i don't know but uh you're, you're so, stirring so, the pot again mark uh, so he hasn't left us yet so you know we're always looking for a sideline reporter too if you want to stay involved in the game yeah, well, we'll 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 worry about that. If we you can get in a few suggestions <laughs> on the sideline. There's a sideline reporter coach. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I can start yelling at so run the power. So right. right. <laughs> coach, let me ask you this: Your last game that you coached was a playoff game at Stephen Decatur, and I guess fitting because Jay Coleman, uh, an SU alum, as well. But at any point towards the end of the game, did you start thinking about the fact that that was your last game and about um, just all that you had accomplished? at North Carolina or did none of that happen until maybe days or weeks after that game? Um, you know, I, I kind of knew uh, going into that that a pretty good chance it was going to be my last game. Decatur's got a good team. Uh, Jake does a really good job coaching with his staff down there, so I knew we had our hands full. 
I wasn't thinking about that as much. Uh, I know my dad was there. My brother came down to the game. So, you know, they got a chance to be there and, you know, a few other people. But, um, you know, I, I was kind of at peace with it. If it was my last game, it was my last game. If it wasn't, uh, you know, we'd keep strapping it up and go another week or so. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't get too, you know, uh, nostalgic about it. And uh, just trying to coach the kids and be in the moment. And uh, then afterwards, okay, it hits you, I think, a little bit. Maybe not necessarily uh, that day, but, you know, as you're going forward and you're, you're thinking about things, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really need to do that. Somebody else is going to take care of it. Oh, well. You know, I, I usually do this, but I don't need to do that now. So as we go forward, I think it it, it, it kind of hits you a little bit more and more. Um, you know, it's what I've been doing for 20, you know, 28, 29 years. So uh, I think it'll really, once we get into the summers, where it'll kind of really start set, settling in when we're not hitting the weight room. Yeah, and, we, and week one of the new season upcoming. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – <laughs> You know, we're, I don't know what I'm going to be doing come August, whatever, 10th or 11th when camp starts. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have, to have something going on that day to keep me occupied. Well, just so you know, camp starts uh, August 9th. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if you'd just like to come over and help critique, uh, you know, and you know, over there at uh, Easton, we can take you. Well, uh, I don't know about critiquing. I might just sit in the stands and badger you. you know? <laughs> well, yeah, but, Coach, you got you got the beach about 75 miles to the east. I think you may be there on August 9th. He's got a beach house. His wife's family lives <laughs> oh, down that's there. What I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think he'll be uh, on the sandy beach August 9th. And, yeah, and he I'm going to be either on the beach or a boat, I think. Yeah. And, and, June and July (laughs) and August. So, Coach, you know, you may never admit it, but I knew, and I think Mike knew, that this was going to be your last year when you announced uh, the big gathering to bring in all of the uh, uh, folks that ever played for yeah, you. Yeah, but I asked him about that, Mark. I know, and he didn't admit it then, but you can admit it now, Coach, that that was probably... Well, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I had been thinking about it, but that wasn't the reason that I did that. Um, I had made my decision at that point whether I was actually out or not, but I knew uh, that we had a bunch of people over the years that had coached uh, for us. And the, one of the things that bothered me was that when a lot of these coaches, when Colin, uh, Joseph, Jody Ward, Jeff Consul, Rob Blakely, like when all these guys decided to, you know, that they were done and walk, walked away, they did it the right way. And there wasn't a single person, you know, from the, the school board or the county or whatever that even acknowledged the amount of time and effort and years that they put in uh, to help these kids. And uh, I just wanted, you know, I thought it was going to be a nice thing. Let's get some of the coaches back together. Let's invite all the players from the years back uh, that had, you know, been coached by these guys and uh, and just give them a chance to get together and be around each other and say thank you and, and do it in the right way. So that, that's really what that was about. Um, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about, you know, I just thought it would be a nice thing. And uh, it was great. It was a great night. Um, you know, we won the game. We had a nice party afterwards. Had uh, a nice – and you made it close. I mean, it was entertaining. I, I, I was, <laughs> Coach, I was just going to say, if if Colonel pulled the upset off there, you'd probably have to come back for one more year. We wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> yeah, right I, now. I, I, I probably would be coming back for another year. <laughs> I, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So you've had the opportunity to coach a lot of kids, and we talked about this last year with you and and Jody and Colin, but, you know, you've had the opportunity to to watch a lot of these kids that you coached over the years and go to the next level. I mean, Kendron Wayman, 
Uh, you've got uh, David Bailey, Jamie on Franklin. I think he's coming back for year nineteen. I, I think for <laughs> no, he's he's uh, taking advantage of that extra year, the COVID, the COVID year, year. Yeah. Um, at, at Duke. So yeah. he just announced he's coming back. I mean, as a coach, even whether they went to you know D one, D two, or D three. I mean, hell, Joey Biltstein had a hell of a year at Salisbury. Yeah, I think he this was year. Uh, sure I did. Think he was player of the year down there, and uh, he's got, you know he's got another year eligibility. He'll be coming back for that. And uh, uh, Carlton Johnson, CJ's down there at Salisbury, and he's doing great things down there. We are, we have five kids uh, from last year's team, not this year, but the year past that played college football this year, hmm. just from that team. So. You know, it's um, you know, it's yeah, great that you know, David and uh, Jamie on and Kendron had opportunities uh, to go to Division One. That's awesome. Uh, but there's a lot of kids that had opportunities to do a lot of things. Uh, you know, whether it was with football or other things, and and kept in touch with us. You know, at the uh, at the last game, we had a kid as uh, not a kid, a grown man, Billy Staples, who was actually played for me in my first year as an assistant coach. Hmm. Uh, who came over to the Decatur game. He said, well, I just wanted to be here at your last game, you know, assuming that I was stepping down. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, and that's nice. And I still see Billy a couple times a year and talk to him. And, uh, you know, he's done great. He's got business down there in Salisbury, and he's got a couple of young boys. And, um, you know, it's just it's nice that uh, you get those relationships that you develop and that you can maintain them throughout the years. James McCormick, North Carolina High School, former head football coach, when you look back, what do you think it is that you're going to miss the most? Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I think there's a lot of things. I, look, I, you know, when you're when you're done playing football, you know, I played football since I was in third grade. You know, in uh, you know high school, college, and then got right into coaching. You, you get into coaching because you can't play anymore, and you still want to compete. Uh, you know, I love the Friday nights kind of chess match of. You know, what's going on? How are we adjusting to certain things and being able to compete even though you're not out on the field? I think that that was one thing that drew me to it. Um, I'll miss that. You know, I'm sitting watching games the other day, and, you know, I was watching Penn State, you know, in their bowl game. And, uh, of course, they lined up in a in a full house, you know, and ran 32 and 38 power. <laughs> you know, I was kind of laughing about it, thinking, all right, how can we adjust? Well, I don't need to adjust that anymore, you know. And uh, uh, so, you know, the, the chess match thing, you know, that that's, you know, the competition part of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just being around the coaches and the and the kids. You know, like, there's something about being uh, with your buddies in the coaching office, you know, hanging out with Jody Ward, you know, Colin Joseph, Jeff Consul, Rob Blakely, you know, Ed Cartwright, you know, all all the guys that we coach with over the years were good friends, uh, you know, being there and spending time with them, being around the kids, you know, kid, you know, there's a different bond that kids have that are in a locker room as compared to, you know, just walking the halls. And, um, you know, those are the things that I'll probably miss the most, you know, just spending that kind of time with the, with the guys and with the kids. When you look at the coaches that you've coached against over the years, is there one coach that you enjoyed coaching against the most, and then another coach that you hated coaching against. <laughs> mm. um, you know, I, I, when I first started, you know, when we told you, you know, this before, there, there were guys on the checklist, guys we wanted to check right. off the list. You know, old school coaches that were good, uh, and we got we got all those guys except for Doug. Right, Doug Fleet was the only one that got away. But uh, with all the younger coaches, we had a it was a neat thing. You know, when we were coaching here the last 10 or 15 years, that there were a lot of coaches that uh, I either played college football with, Glenn Gibson, 
you know, with the Salzburg mm-hmm. I played with who, um, who just had a birthday yeah. recently, by the way. He did. <laughs> he, he did just have a birthday, and uh, he's he's enjoying the heck out of retirement. But uh, you know, so it was it, we were competing against each other, but we were also good friends, you know. And uh, Brian Sofanowski, Sof and I become good friends over the years. You know, our daughters would hang out together. Heck, I went to Europe with him, you know, on a trip with with a bunch of kids for uh, for a couple weeks a few years back, and uh, you know, so so Soph was probably one of the ones that I enjoyed coaching against. I also hated coaching. It's probably the same guy, mm-hmm. uh, just because they were so well coached, and you knew what you were saying. You knew no matter what it was, it was going to be a it was going to be a fight. But uh, look, Jay Coleman's done a great job. Matt's done a great job. I, I enjoyed coaching against Donnie when he was at Queen Anne's. You know, there were a lot of guys that put a lot of years in. That um, it was just fun. You know, Friday nights was you know you're going to play against. Easton, but you know it was fun talking to Matt before the game and knowing that he was going to coach kids up and he was going to make some adjustments from the last time we played and you know how can we how can we make adjustments off of what he's doing? So it was always a, a nice thing and it, and although it was competitive, it was never really um, it wasn't cutthroat. You know, it wasn't there wasn't a hate relationship there. It was a, mm-hmm. a competition thing and it was respectful and uh, you know so there were a lot of good coaches, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, but Soph was probably the one that I enjoyed, you know, talking a little trash to, and and, and also, and also hated playing because I knew they were well coached. Uh, coach, and you mentioned the coach who took over Fort North Carolina. But was there a coach in the Bayside that uh, is no longer coaching anymore that you felt as if maybe have been a mentor to you, or you know, gave you some tips along the way, or that you reached out to? Who are who are some of the coaches that you gleaned a lot from, you looked up to, and, and helped you out a little bit? Um, you know, when, when I first started, Bill was Bill was a big help to us. You know, getting things going. Uh, and allowing us to learn and, and kind of figure things out. Bill but Miller, right? Years, yeah, Bill Miller. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. over the years, as as we went through, you know, what were the coaches around the Bayside that I respected, that I wanted to try and develop a program as good as they had? And, uh, you know, Bobby Knox down at Decatur, you know, Coach Knox had been there forever, mm-hmm. did things the right way. I thought, you know, I had a lot of respect for him. And uh, talked to, you know, talked to Bobby over the years and become friends with him. Uh, and he he's helped out a lot. Um, Doug Fleetwood, you know, when he left Cambridge, uh, he ended up going to Salisbury. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I know there's a number of times that you know I'd go down to visit Doug um, just to talk football. You know, hey, I got some questions, Doug. Can you mind if I come down? We hang out for an hour, and uh, you know, Colin and Jody, I would ride down and see Doug, and he spent a lot of time with us, and it was very gracious, you know, with his time and his knowledge. And uh, you know, he kind of took care of me. You know, Doug was at Cambridge uh, back in the 70s when my dad coached in North Carolina. Uh, so when I came in, you know, I think he went out of his way to, to make sure he kept an eye on me and give me help uh, where he could. James McCormick, North Carolina High School, talking to him after he's stepped down to officially retire and uh, and give up the change. You know, we were asking about the you know favorite coach and the least favorite to coach against. When you look back over – your coaching career one game stand out now maybe the you know the big upset of easton in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know what that's, that's a lot of games i mean you're talking you know how many years a couple hundred games uh there were some really fun games and and, and we actually kyle and jody and i still sit down and do this after the season every year we kind of have our you know what are our top five games you know all time hmm. And uh, then we also kind of do an updated, uh, you know, offensive and defensive 
all-time team, you know, and we, mm. we make adjustments to that periodically. You have to but, write that um, down for us. We'd be yeah, happy to have cool. that. Oh, yeah. we, we have a, we got it written down, but it's placed in the top secret vault. I don't know if that one will ever. Well, uh, hell, there's that one will ever get that might cause some problems. Biden put documents in his garage. That's the first place I'm checking <laughs> in the McCormick garage. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and coach, and, and coach, let me just say this, and and I I stand to this to the day I die, and you know I've told you this, and I know there were a few heartbreakers in the playoffs, but I'll tell you right now, the call against Walkersville that was the right play there. Unfortunately, it wasn't just it just wasn't executed the way it needed to be. That was the right call, and I'll. I'll stand behind you 110% on that one on that passing play. Oh. Yeah, well, Walkersville's one I try not to remember too much. I know. Yeah, I that's, know. that's not on the top five. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing my five job if thanks, I didn't bring, for bringing it up. Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, coach, Pop another beer, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Co- coach, let me ask you this because of, of your longevity in the Bayside. How has the Bayside changed for the better over the years, and what's an area where the conference could still get better at uh, as it pertains, of course, to football? Good question. Um, yeah, so I think over the years, we, we obviously we've had a lot of change over the coaches uh, throughout the Bayside, but I think we have a good, good groups of young coaches in the Bayside now that are that are working hard uh, to develop programs, and I think that's a positive thing. When I first started, there were a lot of good old old coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the young guy on the block trying to you know trying to break into the club, and uh, um, we've had some turnover. And, and it seems like right now we have you know there's quite a few programs that have some stability with their coaching staffs that are doing things the right way and are developing. Um, you know, so I think that's a positive thing. Where where can the Bayside improve? You know, I think, um, you know, when we had the COVID shutdown a few years back, and you know, it seemed like our numbers decreased very rapidly across the Bayside with the number of kids that were playing football. And uh, that's starting to rebound now. Um, but there's still some programs in the Bayside that are really struggling the field teams and I think if we want to have a good solid conference we need to make sure you know that the the Kent counties and the snow hills and the Washingtons and some of these smaller schools get their get their feet back under them and and are able to get more kids involved and develop the program and make us stronger Um, because if we have better competition throughout the year it's going to help us in the playoffs. But how can, uh, how can you guys as opponents so to speak of those three programs you mentioned how can you guys help them with their numbers? So, you know, I don't know how you help them with their numbers. What you do is you reach out to the coaches and, and you know, do what you can uh, to help them develop their program. Hey, you, what do you need tape-wise from us? Do you, you know, you know, I got, um, you know, like this year there was a, a sports uh, place on the Western Shore that was going out of business, and through the Coaches Association, I got a phone call and said, hey, look, we got a bunch of practice pants and different things. Do you want to come pick them up? So I went over there. Of course, half the practice pants were yellow. <laughs> you know, that's great, but I'm not going to put our guy. You know, if we have pants, I'm not going to do yellow. So you reach out and say, "Hey, you know, Washington, Ken, I know you guys. Have, do you want practice pants? They're in your colors. Um, you do little things, and then I think the biggest thing is when you're playing a team that you know you're better than. You know, that that is struggling to put, you know, to put put a team on the field. You make sure you, you coach against them the right way. You don't put 80 points on them. Mm-hmm. You don't throw the ball when you're up, you know, 42 to, to six. You know, you, you give you give their kids a chance to compete for an entire game without being embarrassed. You know, you know don't you don't tell your kids not to play, um, but you get you get your backup kids in there early. You let them play. You mix kids in and out. Um, you, you do all the things that you can to allow them, you know, those kids to get better and 
and have a little bit of success maybe on plays here and there that that are that are going to keep them coming back. And uh, you know, going out there and putting you know 75, 80 points on the team that, that's ridiculous. That's that's not helping anybody out. And uh, you know, I think there's things that we can do better um, as a base side to to make sure that 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 we we help those young teams out and get them get them moving in the right direction. So one of the biggest things that's always been said about you is the way that you build your team blue collar. And, mm. you know, I can tell you that, you know, I was fortunate enough to spend six years uh, with James as, as his head JV coach. And my first year, you know, he didn't just throw me to the wolves. I had Mike Parks and I had Bill Miller. On my staff. There you go. I pissed yeah. them both off, and neither <laughs> one of them came back for year two. But well, Bill hung around a little bit. Yeah, yeah and Mike did too. But you know, Mike almost got me fired. Um, you know, in the in the Cambridge game. But um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's seeing that from the inside and, and knowing that he's an organizational freak. I mean, everything is down to a a you know time, and it's it's all laid out. But one of the best things that I ever, that I feel like as a coach, got the most out of was our practice sessions. We were together. It was varsity and JV. We all practiced at the same time, and the last thirty minutes was my time with the JV kids. But they were getting the same coaching from the varsity kids. And at that point, the three amigos were also coaching in Pop Warner. So my first year. I think that was uh, your son's, uh, Connor's first year at the high school level. Hell, he was the running back, and he knew the plays better than I did, you know, because <laughs> they came up yeah. running the exact same thing, and most of the terminology was the same. Uh, continuity, and, and that's a big part of the success, Coach, and you guys had that kind of pipeline there, but you don't see that all the time necessarily. Not it's not, it's not It's not a given all the time with that. Right. And do you think that helped – I mean, obviously, the Pop Warner program leading into high school helped the program, but do you think it also helps uh, you know, get your program to continue to grow, practicing together while still separate? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know there and there are a lot of things that went into that. You know, practicing together is something that that we kind of did over the years because I've seen some other coaches that I respected kind of did things similar to that, but but also it was coaching out of necessity. You know, we didn't have a lot of coaches when I first started that really knew what they were doing. So if we wanted to maximize our coaching opportunities with kids, we had to stay together mm. a lot more. And um, But that also helped the younger coaches out that were learning. Self-included. Like, they had somebody like Jody that was modeling, you know, what to do, how to do it, explaining things. And, and so they're getting, they're getting coached up as they're coaching. And, uh, you know, it keeps all the kids on the same page, you know. And, you know, our thing was always, look, JV football is to develop kids to be on varsity. And if you're a sophomore and you're good enough to come up to varsity at some point, then we want to bring you up, but you can't, it can't be a completely different system where you, you can't plug and play. You know, you should be able to step on a varsity field and know exactly what we're saying to you, how we're saying it, and feel comfortable because it was the same thing you were hearing on JV. And, uh, you know, so there were a lot of reasons that went into that. I just thought it was the best thing for our program and, and how we did things, you know, coaching with the Pop Warner guys uh, was probably the biggest single key to us being successful. You know, when we first started down there, Jeff Scharf was the was the head coach of the, the team that Colin and I were coaching with, and we were assistants to Jeff. And, uh, you know, he, he was very uh, 
very accommodating as far as letting us come in and saying, hey, this is what we want to do and how we want to do it. And uh, I think there was a little hesitation at first, but once Jeff saw what we were doing and how we did it, he bought in and, uh, you know, he was with us, you know, his, his son, all three of his boys and four boys played for me mm-hmm. uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, his youngest son, Shane, was the same age as um, my boy Connor. So they played all the way through, you know, up until, uh, you know, they graduated in 2015. And, uh, you know, that was really the first team that we had that we had been with all the way through. And that really started, you know, about a five-year run for us of our Pop Warner guys coming through. Uh, Jeff had a lot to do with that. Tony Keating, uh, coach with uh, Colin and Jody down there, um, had a lot to do with it. You know, Keith Bauer, Vinny Manship. You know, these were all guys that, that coached uh, the Pop Warner teams with us that eventually came up and were assistant coaches and helped out on the, you know, the JV and varsity with us as guys were coming through. And, you know, I think having the same coaches, the same system made it made a huge, huge difference for these kids. It, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the, those will be the six years that I'll never forget, uh, especially being the first team, uh, first football team to ever go undefeated in North Carolina history. Um, and then uh, McCormick went, you know, did that one day later. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, you know, it, it just, it, it, it was, it was fun. And it taught me a lot about the game behind the scenes and such and how, how to manage and how to, how to get your kids motivated and, and uh, learned a lot. I mean, I, I'm on the Jody Ward coaching tree. I mean, Jody, yeah. he coached linebackers, he coached running backs, and that's what I studied. And, you know, then you'd hear Colin barking out with the line and, you know, and you'd watch a little bit of that. And uh, it, it was a lot. And when Griffith talked me out of retirement, coach, I'll tell you, I wouldn't tell Griffith this, but I tried. I tried so hard to run some wing T plays. And, I mean, Mike came out to a couple of our games, and when I didn't have my quarterback, yeah. he looked at me and said, that looked like a wing T play. <laughs> I said, it was. It just wasn't called a he 121 said, sweep or a one. Yeah. It wasn't a, a, a 138 power. <laughs> or one just, just don't tell coach. That's what he told me. He said, just don't say anything to coach. You know, right. But but we, we have to adjust. We have to do what we have to do with that. That's but. Right. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, Coach, too, for me, it was always neat coming to playoff games when I did sideline reporting for playoffs. You know, coming down River Road, you know, you got the river there, but then the school is, you know, you've got a, you know, a silo, and you know, farms right next door and all that. And, and, and it just, it, it was true Eastern Shore right there. And, and, you know, old school type school, you pull up there. And, I mean, that's, but that's what it's all about, you know, uh, high school in the countryside and Friday night lights, and it's a big deal. And and especially when you had that run uh, with Franklin and Bailey and, and, and outstanding players with those guys as well. Um, boy, I mean, you, you know, you guys were you run to the Bayside, you know, Ken Island and Queen Anne's uh, you know, always there at the top for many years. But North Carolina coach, you, you saw the gradual climb of your program. And then all of a sudden you guys were right there and then you were beating those teams. The yeah, ridge. it was uh, 2015. Was that was the 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 magic season, right? That was when uh, everything started coming together, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the community really backed and supported us. You know, we used to you know, had stories after the season that 2015 year when we were you know making our playoff run and doing those things that uh, you know people were coming over not to to come to the games. We had a couple of friends that uh, that lived just out there on the highway on 404, so you could see the stadium lights from their house. Mm-hmm. And on Friday nights, they would turn on overtime live. 
and they would go sit out back around a bonfire, and they could hear the, the, the screams and the cheers from the stadium before it came on the radio. But people from Delaware and all these people, they would have 15 or 20 people hanging out, you know, around the bonfire listening to the game, listening to you guys on the radio trying to be a part of it. And that was, you know, what they did for two or three weeks there in, in the fall. So, you know, those are neat stories. It's it's nice when the community gets involved and mm-hmm. supports and backs you. And, um, you know, I think they've done a really good job of that over the years. I mean, hell, they built a community right there behind the high school now, too. <laughs> so, I mean, you've had some pretty impressive home games over the uh, over the years, and some of them we've been fortunate enough to broadcast. I mean, you know, it's the only high school football game we've ever called that there was a streaker at the halftime. Yeah, that, that might be one of my all-time favorite games. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was the what the fifteen uh, crapper game? We had to bring in fifteen fortifots. It was a big game against Queen Anne. It was homecoming. We had a streaker at halftime. It was. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> when you good. that's when you knew it was a big game, and, and, and the coaches yeah. and, and the talk around the school. How many porta potties are coming in? That's how you knew it was going to be a big game. And that Queen Anne, there were fifteen crappers what? there, and I find I walk into the crapper that isn't even in that count. It's outside the fence over by the practice field. I go in to go pee, and this kid is walking out with just his skivvies. I'm like, dude, it's cold. And I go in. And his clothes are right there. And I come back out after using the restroom, and here I see him running across the field being chased. And I swear, he had to be part monkey because I never saw somebody scale a chain link fence in bare feet as quickly as he did. Yeah, yeah, I think that kid's a legend in North High now. <laughs> they, they, he, got call, a, he got into a little bit of trouble, but it's, uh, they it call him the streak, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, coach, what people don't know is Mark demanded to have his own porta potty, yeah. and separate from everybody else, he did and all that. That was a demand if we were going to do the game that I, week. I would ask the athletic director, "Is the back gate going to be unlocked?" Because it was important. But at that point, you always knew because they had to put parking back there, and there was yeah. tailgating going on, and yeah. you know, do you? had some amazing games i mean the game with elkton where i mean let's face it elkton was uh yeah that was pretty contentious sort of speak. oh yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> we, that was that was a 15 cop uh game <laughs> so, yeah. 15 or 20 there might have been more than that there. There, was, yeah. there was a mess of people there i know that yeah, so. yeah, how many porta potties? How many police do you yeah. need for the game? Right. That's right. Well, I, I know they sent out an all call for uh, for the next game, the Walkersville game, uh, because of some of the issues with the Elkton game, and, and all. And I'm going to say this: all the issues with that game were not North Carolina fans; they were right. all Elkton fans fighting mm-hmm. against other Elkton fans. Right. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. You know, it was uh, so. What, uh, but I, you know, uh, Randy Bounds, who's the county sheriff. Um, uh, we got a couple phone calls that you know that our place wasn't safe enough for this or that, and uh, Randy said, "Look, I'll, I'll take care of this." And the, the next game was the Walkersville game. I think we had every cop on the Eastern Shore uh, <laughs> that was at the stadium. That you know, he sent out an all call for anybody who wanted to come watch a game. We had cops from uh, Salisbury, from the surrounding counties. It was and there wasn't a problem. And uh, it was a great uh, that game, the Walkersville game. I think was the biggest uh, gate in the state that year. Wow. Wow. Uh, for yeah. games, because uh, from the numbers that we got on it, and that was that that was a fun game. It just uh, 
you know, didn't quite go down uh, on our end the, the way it should have at the, the last couple seconds. But uh, Mike reminded us. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I have the video on my phone, but uh, but it was a great. I mean, you talk about great atmosphere and such. I mean, we've been to uh, some really good playoff games and atmospheres over the years, and the Ridge is right there with the rest of them. But one of the things, Coach, that that makes calling the games of the Ridge as much as I complained about that damn speaker right above the, you know, box where I call it the overtime live window because no matter what, you all always let us have that window, um, is uh, the, the people that make it a atmosphere. I mean. You, you see Friday Night Lights, the, the movie or the TV show, and, and just the way towns. And I talked before about going to uh, uh, see Ken Island play um, uh, for, um, uh, Fort Hill. Fort Hill. And, and yeah. seeing the way the people, you know, were supporting their school with the signs and, and the wear around town. And, you know, you go into a restaurant and everybody's talking about the game. You guys built that atmosphere there at North Carolina. It didn't just happen, but I also know that you also feel that you had help doing stuff like that with the amount of work that goes into it. Uh, I mean, Dan Kodak, your announcer, um, you know, uh, just one of the one of the top. Yeah, I used to work with Dan's wife at yeah. the old Great Scott Broadcasting. So, one, yeah, I know Dan. The... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Dan is amazing. Yeah. It's like having your own personal DJ at games. I mean, yeah. he, he does an outstanding job with the, with the crowd, with the announcing, with the – you know, getting things going. I mean, he, he's he's just uh, he makes it a really really special game, a special occasion. And uh, you know, like I said, you know that atmosphere, the student section that we you know, we had. Quinn Abbott was one that really yeah. kind of got the student section rolling. And uh, you know, we, we still call Quinn the Pied Piper. You know, yeah. he walks down the hall. Kids were just kind of falling behind him. And uh, um, you know, with him, with Dan, um, we had kids from other schools that would come to all of our home games just to be part of the student section. You mentioned Quinn Abbott. Yeah. You know, Quinn uh, took over the JV team um, when I stepped down and did an amazing job, kept the, you know, the unbeaten streak going and really thought that Quinn was going to be somebody that would, that, that you guys were grooming to take over the program. And he had the chance to go back to Milford, uh, where he grew up, where he played. Uh, and he's now an assistant coach uh, over there. You know, that's the one name that I kept throwing out that, you know, when I was talking to somebody the other day about who is going to put in for that job, I was like, man, Quinn Abbott would be like the natural for the North Carolina head football coaching spot. And uh, I think it was Colin I was talking to, and Colin said, nope, he's he's waiting for his day to shine at Milford. Yeah, yeah, he, Quinn, Quinn's our guy, you know, he, he... – we brought him in. He was the guy that we were hoping would take the program, did a great job with us. And uh, he had an opportunity to go back home, and he mm-hmm. did it the right way. He came down, sat down, talked with us, and he was torn emotionally. He, he loved being with us, but mm-hmm. um, he also had an opportunity to go back home to be with guys that he grew up with, that he coached with, that he's still friends with and goes out with on weekends um, to teach with those guys, to coach with those guys. Uh, the superintendent of Milford is a guy who called him up and said, we want you to come back home. Uh, Kevin Dickerson was, you know, mm-hmm. said it's time. So, uh, you know, he did it the right way. He came and talked with us. And, uh, you know, we I still talk to Quinn, you know, every week or two. And, you know, we went over and watched one of his games uh, this year. He had a he was coach in middle school over there doing an outstanding job. I mean, uh, he's got it going. You know, you can see 
a couple years from now where that program is going to be. He's got that tip. Of, he's just at the tip of the iceberg, and it's starting to roll. And uh, he's doing a fantastic job over there. And, and you know, I'm telling you, uh, pay attention to Milford's program over the next three or four years because they're going to be something special. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe that's where you'll be. <laughs> Never know. Coach, let me ask you this. Uh, in terms of if you have, and and hopefully whoever the next coach is uh, will ask you for this, if they don't already know, if it, if it ends up not being an internal hire, what one piece of advice would you give to uh, the coach, the next coach of North Carolina, if you haven't already spoken to that individual? Run the wing tee. They're going to run whatever they want. I think the probably the biggest uh, piece of advice I get to them is, is coaching Caroline County is not easy. It's hard. And um, you need to surround yourself with, with good coaches that are loyal, um, that are going to work hard and, and you know, work towards the same goals that, that you're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate, you know, and, and Mark knows with the guys that we had on staff uh, over the years, you know, not just Colin and Jody, but, you know, Jeff, Consul, Rob, Blakely, Ed Cartwright, who came on with us, you know, having Gene Robbins there. You know, Gene was the water boy. The guy that came on with us. Yeah, well, you know, Gene came on and did, you know, he was a kind of our equipment guy and managed a lot of the stuff on the sideline that, uh, that we didn't have to worry about, you know, it was, it was just taken care of. And you, you got to find people like that, that, that are going to make your job as a head coach a lot easier. Marry and, uh, the trainer. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of people that go into it and, um, you know, the more of those people that you can find surround yourself with, uh, that are going to help make your life easier is, is, is what I would say. That's the biggest thing because, uh, you know, the County doesn't go out of their way to help you in that part, you know, uh, with hiring coaches and those types of things. So you, you got to kind of do it on your own. You know, and I, I meant to ask this earlier when we were talking about the coaches and, and why you practice together and things like that. Um, you know, back when I was coaching with you, uh, we and I coached other sports at North Carolina, and you were allowed uh, three paid, like for basketball, three paid coaches, and they give you two volunteers. That was ever actually, I think it was one one volunteer. Yeah, I think you get and, one volunteer well, for yeah. every three coaches. Yeah, so it's like we were limited. And football, you got a little bit more, maybe because you weren't watched as much, you know, because <laughs> of what we had. But when I went over this year to Easton, you know, my God, I had, like, I think I had six assistants on JV, Yeah, you know, and it's like, Wow, there were six coaches for JV, and Varsity had seven or eight. You know, so the the, the difference in the counties and their rules, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, now that you're not a coach anymore, you can, you can agree with me if you like. I think the ultimate goal is you want to be able to give the kids that you're coaching the best education in sports and, and in education – Give them the best uh, possibility of winning and of learning and and building character. And it's a heck of a lot easier to do when you have six good coaches instead of three when the only cost is the background check. And you have have coaches, right, you have coaches willing to pay that, you know, and and never mind that you have a lot of gate. I, I think there's a lot of counties. Uh, you know, Caroline being one of them, where and and I love Caroline County. Don't get me wrong, 
You know, I, I think there's a lot of counties that slight the student athletes by limiting the number of people that can coach them. If you're doing the proper vetting, there is no additional cost if that coach is willing to pay for his background check. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, uh, you know, it's about it's about getting the right people in there. Um, but I think, you know, as long as you're getting the right people, you know, why, why are you, you going to limit the opportunities that kids have to be around adults uh, who are good role models, who are good coaches, are going to teach them how to do things the right way, can develop relationships with them. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into that. But, uh, you know, we always had to fight that a little bit with getting guys out and being able to, you know, have the, the right guys and, and how we could kind of work around the rules just a little bit, um, you know, with getting guys helping out. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's different. You know, years ago uh, I interviewed before I was the head coach here in North Carolina, I interviewed and was offered the Seifert job. And uh, um, it was right when uh, Ron Dickerson left Seifert. Mm. You know, he'd been there forever and yeah. was a legend. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was coming over from Carolina and interviewed for the job and asked questions. And one of the questions was, all right, you know, what's, you know, tell me a little bit about the program and coaches, how many coaches I have. And, you know, I get to hire all of them and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think back then, that was 1990. I don't know, seven or eight, maybe somewhere in there. And uh, I think Seaford had 16 paid coaching positions. Wow. That didn't include the volunteers. It didn't include the athletic you know, trainers or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but it was 16 paid positions. And uh, and I think in a lot of cases, it's just the, the priorities. You know, it's, uh, you know, what does the school district, how, how much do they uh, put an emphasis and a priority on having good extracurricular programs well i coach you sports but but you know all the extracurriculars the drama and the you know music and those types of things as well well and coach you hit it on the head Uh, i mean seaford had a powerhouse football program for years because of dupont there and the population and that that town was booming for years and they had a great football program that town shut down for friday night lights dickerson had a heck of a run and so that doesn't surprise me when you make mention of that and then unfortunately as dupont languished so did the program and i'm sure that today as they're trying to you know build it back up but i'm sure even today it probably it's not anywhere close to what that you know the 16 that's crazy but yeah you're right back then it was a big deal and so the priority was there for it yeah and it was and they made it the priority and uh you know, that's, it's just, uh, you know, it's not, that's not uncommon though. You know, if you go to Smyrna, if you go to some of the other places that, that have good programs that, uh, you know, they put emphasis on those extracurriculars and, and providing the opportunities, uh, to hire the right coaches, to help those coaches get better. And, um, you know, Seaford's just one example of that, you know, look, Mark Quillen's at Seaford now. Yeah. Yep. Coach. yep. I think this is the second or third year that's there and he's already started to make that change. Yep. Um, and I think Seaford's going to continue to get better as long as Mark's there. Yeah. Um, he, he does a great job and I, you know, hopefully he'll get them kind of back to where maybe not where they were w- with Dickerson. Cause that's, that's hard to replicate. You know, that's, that's a once in a lifetime thing, but if he can get them back going in the right direction, that's, uh, you know, that that's going to be a heck of a feat. And I think he's doing that. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you spending the uh, last, gosh, almost an hour. This time has flown by. Yeah, uh, spend well, the, There's a lot to talk about with you, Coach. Yeah. You're probably going to need to charge your phone when we're done. But, <laughs> I might have to. Yeah, but uh, listen, we do appreciate the time today. Um, congratulations on what has been one hell of a career. 
uh, we could probably talk for another couple hours with you. But, you know, I know you're probably going to go try and do some ice fishing or something right now. Well, we could yeah, save we'll, it for we'll, an, another podcast. We'll get right? together with Jake on his boat one of these days. There, there you go. You know, have a special. Uh, that would be an awesome trip. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah. I'll that, make the call yeah. this afternoon. We, we you need to make the call, and I'll bring the beer. All right. We, we won't we'll even need to deal. Make, deal. We won't even need to make the call. Jake's going to hear this, and he's going to call and say, as soon as it gets warm, we're done. I mean, you realize we don't do any fishing on that trip, right? We just go dock on the edge of the uh, some island out there and watch horses. Acetate. Yeah, watch yeah. horses. Like, yeah, that's fine with me. Okay. Well, we're going to step it up next time. So, yeah. you know. We're going to bring barbecue on board. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And the stories will get better. <laughs> There's no doubt. So, well, yeah. listen, uh, enjoy a summer away from uh, football preparation. I know while some of it is uh, you'll miss, but I think once you start being able to spend time with with Lindsay and uh, you know, that's his wife, by the way. No, I know. Uh, and be able to spend time with her. Uh, and, you know, she's going to put you to work. I mean, you're not retiring and stepping away from teaching, but don't think your falls are going to be uh, <laughs> free because she's going to find something for yeah, you. Yeah, she'll have something for me. To do. <laughs> yeah. And look, I wanted to say this at some point during, during the podcast, but, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 29 years and it would not have been possible if, if Lindsay wasn't on board with, with, you know, with what I was doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about the other coaches and, and the players and uh, the relationships and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, you got to have your wife on board with you, and uh, she has to be a part of it, and, and Lindsay was. And, uh, you know, I was very blessed that uh, that she allowed me to do, uh, you know, what I did for the last 29 years. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna find some other things to get into this fall, uh, she and I, but uh, it'll be fun, whatever it is. You know what? That is That would be a fun podcast. That would uh could you imagine getting McCormick's and Ward's and Joseph's wife together and and then mix in uh you know a couple of others yeah uh I don't know Jake Coleman's wife plenty of stories just to tell a wife. Be careful what yeah. you ask for buddy. Yeah right uh, <laughs> that oh that would be awesome of course you guys would never talk to us again but uh, <laughs> well listen coach uh, again congratulations uh, thanks for mentoring me, and thanks for being a part of Overtime Live for the last uh, 15 years. Uh, well, 14, but we're starting 15, and I'm just planning on you uh, showing up, and maybe if Ferragamo needs a week off, I'll have you in the booth with us. Hey, you know what? I, I appreciate everything you guys have done and uh, you know what you've done for our program here at North Carolina High School, the exposure you've given us, and you, know, you guys have been good friends, especially Mark, uh, over the years, and uh, I'm sure you know. I'll, I'll be talking to you in the fall. I'm, you might get a phone call every every now and again on a Friday night, uh, Coach. From I, old, old Coach McCormick. Coach, I hope you do. I was saying all fair to you. You were always my first call, and I appreciate it because as I as I've grown with overtime live, you know, initially, and I joke with Coach Sofanowski about this. You know, I was I was intimidated by a lot of you guys, Coach Graves, Sofanowski, <laughs> McCormick, and you didn't know me. I didn't know you, and and we had to build that relationship through the years. And fair enough, and and uh, but it really has been a pleasure over the years and the accessibility again is is what makes overtime live uh so i'll miss you but please yeah do call in from time to time and and we hope to see it from time to time at a game because uh, you know we build these relationships and while you've earned the right to retire and enjoy yourself you know it's a loss for us so we, we hope to see you around and talk to you from time to time 
I'll, I'll be around from time to time. All right. Sounds Thanks. good. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Coach James McCormick from North Carolina High School stepping down. More on another coaching change coming up. 2023 has arrived, and here at the Preston Autoplex, we're kicking it off with our pre-owned surplus sell-off. We have over 550 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs for every budget. The bigger our surplus, the bigger your savings. And since right now we have one of the largest pre-owned inventories on the East Coast, that means cars cost less in Preston. Plus, with every vehicle purchase, you'll receive Preston for Life, a lifetime engine guarantee, as our investment in you. Shop great deals with vehicles starting under 20K, certified pre-owned, and also fuel-efficient options. Looking to get top dollar for your vehicle? Text Preston to 43386. That's P-R-E-S-T-O-N to 43386. We're open Monday through Friday from 8.30 until 8 p.m. and Saturdays from 8.30 till 6 p.m. And you can always shop online and we'll deliver at PrestonMotor.com. So don't miss our pre-owned surplus sell-off right here at the Preston Autoplex. Located at the corners of Routes 318 and 331. And remember, cars cost less in Preston. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance. Located in Stevensville at 112 Long Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Yeah, speaking of the Edge Training Academy, they have got an event coming up. Uh, I'm actually going to emcee this event. Um, the Giving the Edge Foundation is hosting a gala on the 4th of March at the Ken Island Resort. And uh, Chesapeake Sons is going to be performing there with live music. Uh, It is going to be an amazing day. If you'd like to get tickets for the Edge Gala Awards event, uh, you can do uh, do so by going to Giving the Edge Foundation on their uh, Facebook page, and you can find all the information you need about that event. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool on the 4th of March on Ken Island. And uh, so James McCormick um, stepped down after there was a step down from Y High. Coach Isaiah Taylor Mm -hmm. announced uh, back in December, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. that uh, he is stepping down. Late December. Yeah, from the Y High program. Um, And from what I'm hearing, he's going to end up coaching at a high school in Virginia, yep. Yep. Um, because that he's been dealing with some uh, kidney issues, yep. and yep. you know, it puts him closer to his doctors, uh, which is an incredible thing for him to be able to be in Virginia. Uh, but it does leave a big hole um, from or for why high. I reached out to uh, Stash, their AD, uh, to ask about you know their coaching hire. And his response to me today uh, was, I'll get you the info tomorrow when I talk to my admin. Uh, catch back up with me tomorrow afternoon. So mm-hmm. we'll have that update next week here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. So Taylor uh, played high school ball at Hereford in northern Baltimore County uh, under Steve Turnbull, if I'm not mistaken, uh, then played at Salisbury State or Salisbury University as it is now, uh, and, and came back. He coached, I believe he coached a little bit at SU and then also at James M. Bennett as an assistant and then took the head coaching job at Wicomico, uh prior to the 2019 season. He finished, what, 23-13 and 13, uh, and got that program back on track where they had winning seasons and were going to the playoffs. They had that tough playoff loss to Decatur a couple seasons ago on a field goal, uh, but they 
had a big win over Queen Anne's this past season in the playoffs, and they fell to Kent Island, who, you know, you can't hang your head about that. Kent Island made it all the way to the state championship. So that will certainly be a loss for Y High because I, I thought they had f- found somebody that would be there a long time and entrenched in the community, but certainly understand from the health perspective why he had to do what he had to do. And you, you feel bad that he had to do that. And I just hope that they're able to find someone that can continue that because you want these programs again the more programs as well that do well the better the Bayside mark as we know and you know there have been some programs unfortunately that have languished for a while that we really hope will start to get back and we're hoping that coach Lasinski at J.M. Bennett for instance that he can get that program back and going we've talked about Washington you know Snow Hill Kent County or some other programs as well that you're hoping that will uh, will be able to elevate their game you know it, it, when you look at these programs you know those are two head coaching changes that we know of, you know, uh, right. between, uh, uh, you know, North Carolina and Y High, mm-hmm. two big programs with, you know, two big losses and filling some shoes there that are going to be pretty difficult to, to fill. Yeah, and when I had mentioned, and I think because I posted this on Facebook, that after the, the Taylor news that, you know, there could be more to come, and you had texted me and said, well, what, what do you mean? I said, well, we haven't heard about Coach McCormick yet, and you said – you know what? You're absolutely right. We don't know yet. And and right. obviously the news came not uh, not too long after. I think Taylor was like the 27th of December. And then Coach McCormick uh, put in his uh, resignation on January 4th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, that's what we know. Things can change. We saw Brian Aiken last year um, step down from Kent County. And late in the process. Late in the process. Didn't expect that. Coach Somerville was on the staff, took over, so there was some continuity there. But you never know. I mean, it's a big commitment, and things change with families, and life's, uh, you know, life is, uh, you know, it could be crazy. So you can't always, sometimes you have to step down because you can't commit. And, and because Coach Sofanowski took a little hiatus, that makes, but he's back, that makes Brendan Riley the senior coach here on the Bayside. In, in terms of at, at one school for the longest period of time, yeah. yes. Now, Coach Coleman, I think, is the, the most combined years when you count Cambridge and Decatur. But, yes, Riley has been at Parkside since 07, if memory serves. So he's been there for uh, 15 seasons. This will be, what, 16 upcoming. Yeah. This portion of the podcast sponsored by our friends at For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. It's been a rough start to 2023. I want you all to know that Hmm. it is okay to not be okay if you're dealing with something. For All Seasons would be happy to uh, be there in case you need to talk to someone. So uh, we we talk about head coaches. Uh, Queen Anne's County High, Al Waters, been busy uh, signing new coaches. Kenny Rasinski signing on as the uh, new assistant running back coach for the varsity. Uh, and also to uh, Nick Narvison, a, a defensive line coach uh, for the varsity, uh, signing on to help the uh, uh, the uh, folks there at uh, Queen Anne's County High get better. And uh, speaking of Queen Anne's County High, K.J. Smothers uh, announced his commitment to uh, Frostburg um, just uh, just yesterday, in fact, or over the weekend. Yeah, and Nate Ford as well. Oh, Nate, I missed Nate I, Ford. I, I'm so. Well, I see, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It says congratulations to Nate for getting a second D2 offer, but okay. he's in a Frostburg uniform here. Um, 
But if it's his second D2 offer, yeah, that doesn't indicate he's made a decision. Yeah. But, yeah, Frostburg's moved up in the ranks. But, you know, we talked about Smothers. That's a good get for them. And and, and he stays in state, so good for, uh, you know, definitely good for Smothers. Good for Frostburg State as well. That's outstanding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, was just uh, was seeing that really happy. And you're, and you're seeing as well, uh, you know, Queen Anne's in terms of social media, they're one of the more active teams or programs with that. And, and you'll see that they'll make mention now about, I guess, youth players are committed committing to Queen Anne's or you'll uh, you'll see this um, that uh, you know, Elijah Goldsboro is a rising sophomore 6'3 291 pounds that he'll be joining the program now I don't know if he's a JV player going to varsity but you know, he's a kid that uh, is transferring in from Kent County okay well then there you go and, and and I bring this up because there there are transfers that does happen but also as well Mark and this isn't the first time that you're hearing about this but you know how competitive it is on the Western Shore, private school, public school. In fact, Milford Mill had two private school players on their championship team. Their quarterback and running back were both from Mount St. Joe, which is an MIAA conference. So these are two players who went from a private to a public. So public schools, you know, they're also doing what they can to encourage kids to come to their school if they have a shot to play and win. But with the private schools, we saw years ago St. Francis get not one but two players from Stephen Decatur. Yeah. And from what you hear at some of these camps, some of that is happening. So the point being is that when you hear some of this, it's because you do have some private school teams now maybe try to poach public school teams on the Eastern Shore. Well, and Goldsboro was one that was considering going to a uh, private school on the other side of the bridge, and there were three eighth graders, two or three eighth graders that were also talking about going to the other side of the bridge that you know, did really well in the upper Queen Anne's County uh, you rec. Know, uh, rec football programs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Coach Waters said that all of those kids have all committed to staying here on the shore so a good pickup you know for queen ants and, and, and mark this is a huge storyline because what have we been talking about if the bayside can build enough programs where they can convince their kids that hey you're going to be taken care of here we've got the facilities we've got the programs we're going to make sure the college coaches see you you know we're going to coach you up you're going to win ball games it's a good atmosphere you know the whole nine yards then that is big because if, if these programs languish these kids are going to the western shore no yeah. doubt because these programs over there, they're just as hungry and competitive to get kids. And if they have to come to the Eastern Shore, you know, they'll do it. How far they go, you know, who knows? But Well, I mean, you yeah. look at it, look at uh, the, the players that are going D1 this year. I think it's, it's more D1 players this year than we've had in a long time. I mean, you got, you know, Murgott is going to Duke. And you, he's already there, in yeah. fact. Early, and, early signing. Yeah, with yeah. early signings. And then you've got uh, early enrollment, uh, yeah. Kevin O'Connor that's, that's going there. Um, just uh, last year, Snellshire went to Richmond. Preferred walk on at Richmond, know? yeah. And, yeah. You know, so you see a lot of these kids, Malik Leatherberry, and uh, you have the kids at, at Delaware. You know that that are going, and yeah. don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with D two and D three. No, because in the grand scheme of things, you go to college to get an education. Right, only three percent of those guys make the pros. Right, yeah. the the fact that you're getting to play football or any other sport for that matter at the college level, we're used to seeing lacrosse kids go, you know, male and female, but it's good to finally see football getting right. recognized from the shore. 
and and maybe we'll see some basketball kids getting recognized from the shore. Yeah, Easton's got this one kid, Marshall Bailey. He's a freshman, and this kid is just if if he keeps his head on straight, and I think he will, because his dad will probably make sure. Of, yeah, all right. But yeah. you know, it, it's it's going to be impressive to watch him. Over the next four years. You and I both, although at different events, attended events. You mentioned early signing and players going to college and football scholarships in D1. You know, I, I had the pleasure of attending uh, a Stephen Decatur ceremony that was held at a local pub. Let's talk yeah, about that you in a second. That next go, one? No, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, and then okay. I want to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, I I attended uh, a, a Stephen Decatur ceremony at uh, a pub in Ocean City, a restaurant bar in Ocean City, and it was great. Now, they had the official ceremony at the school, but then they had a special one for a couple of the kids that, that Coach Coleman put together at one of the local places who's um, has sons that have played at Stephen Decatur, one still there playing now currently. And, it, it, Mark, it was great. And we put up the interviews on the Overtime Live right. Facebook page, and we interviewed Coach Coleman as well. And it was it was really special. It was special to see, again, the family and the friends come together around the holidays and support one another and be there. And, of course, you know, Luke Murgott headed that up because he was going to Duke and going early. Uh, but you also had a couple of other kids as well including one going to Gallaudet, which is a great story as well. And we talked with him and it just, it was very prideful, very emotional. And I got a chance too to talk to, you know, the assistant coaches and, and just, it, it, it really was uplifting for me. And speaking of Ashton Snellsire here, I'm there at the event and Mr. Snellsire says, Hey Mike. And we start talking about Ashton's experience at Richmond. I didn't even know he knew who the heck I was or knew about overtime live necessarily. I, I, I have no idea, you know, and, and it was a great conversation and, and he's doing well at Richmond. By the way, Billy Kosh just took a, his OC just went and took an OC job at Western Michigan, but you know, Richmond's a good program. I think they'll be fine. But anyway, it was really, really special. And, and you, you love um, seeing these kids get the accolades and be able to play at the next level, much in the same way that you did. You know, we, with Easton. we, we tease Jake Coleman a lot because we do, we love him. And, He's all about the kids. But I, I got to give Coleman, Dotson, Dan DeBrons, and the admin at Decatur High School, for them to put together the press conference, so to speak, in the morning mm -hmm. inside the gymnasium at Decatur for Luke Murgott. Mm -hmm. Student body there. Yeah. Coaches yeah. were there. And televised on their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. yep. To see that and the way it was done and how professional it was. And then for them to go and do the celebration of one of their sponsors. I, I think it was Buxies. Yeah, it was Buxies, yeah. yeah down yeah. in Ocean City yep. where they opened up. You know, during the playoffs, they were feeding them breakfast and stuff. You right. know, and, right. you know, But to see them you know, go there and have the big celebration... And then the awards banquet that they held a, a, a couple At weeks Secrets, later, yeah. Secrets was yeah. was like the ESPYS. Mm -hmm. The way they did it looked like the ESPYS, and kids love that. Yeah, kids yeah. feed off of that, mm -hmm. and that's how you build a program, and that's how you get what you get. You know, and and hopefully, while not all schools have that ability, but I don't know. I, I think. You need to make the kids feel like they're a big deal. And, you know, 
And I think we, self-included, because mm-hmm. I was a coach with basketball and baseball and all of that, I think sometimes we sell the kids a little short and don't give them the, the accolades that, you know, I mean, Decatur didn't win a, you know, a state championship this year. So it's not like, you know, they have, you have to win a state championship. No, they still had a good year and they yeah, still really rewarded and yeah. they still rewarded the kids yeah. that put in the effort. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they know who was at every practice. They know who was at every practice in every weight room. You know, that's kind of big. Yeah. Well, and they they awarded kids that were uh, players that didn't get to play much but pushed the guys in practice, and they had awards, and they broke it down. And Yeah, I mean, they do a fantastic job with that. And, you know, I I know at times it may come off that we talk about them a lot, but that's because they're one of the model programs that they are. And and I'm hoping that, you know, that domino effect takes place where other programs do as much as they can do in mirroring that because, again, you're almost building like a college, a mini-college program. But to your point, Mark, it get, it gets kids um, excited, invigorated. It gets them to stay as well if teams are trying to poach them. But it also rewards them because, especially today more than ever and with COVID, getting a commitment from kids to do all that they have to do to play football, if you think it's all glory and all that, it, it's not. It is a lot of work and a lot of commitment. You mentioned the Elijah kid. They did a photo shoot with this kid because he said he was coming to Queen Anne's County High. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, if yeah. You look, and you're seeing Queen Anne's do that. If yeah, you but, look yeah. at my Facebook and Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. it is loaded every day yeah. with stuff from Decatur or Queen Anne's. Yeah, yeah. You don't see it from any other schools. You Occasionally, you'll, you'll see the results from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Nash Island does a nice job every night. He updates you what your results are for all the athletic Yeah, events. I did see, yeah, I and, do see and, that. Yeah, and, yeah. and you'll get that out of uh, um, uh, uh, Colonel Richardson does it. Um, and then you'll get a spattering from Mardella, maybe a little bit from Parkside, mm-hmm. J.M. Bennett. Yeah, and I have and, seen. And Why High does a pretty nice job. But yeah, they need yeah. to take notice of those two programs we talked about first here yeah, yeah. because those are the ones, yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, putting it out there just a little. I think right. Easton put something out about their weight room. I, I, I just know? saw that, yeah. And and Parkside uh, Parkside did a really good job of updating folks about their alumni players right. uh, who were playing like a Marcus Yarns at Delaware and uh, one of their assistant coaches right. that's coaching in the MAC. Uh, so they're they're doing a better job as well. But, I, yeah, I just hope that it, it's a domino effect. And um, it's a model, though, for, for what you're doing, just trying to maximize it. And, and yes, we, and we realize that certain counties have more resources than others. Um, no doubt, and you hope that the other counties step up and see the value of what these programs can do for these young men, especially during a time where you know kids at that age they do crave instruction and structure and and all that, and keeping them on the right path that's so important. So I hope the other counties step up, and I just hope these programs, yeah, they, they maximize as best they can with what they do have. Every county needs to get themselves a David Dotson. That's what uh, tough to come and, by. He's one, he, yeah, but uh, clone his ass. Because yeah, yeah. So, all, yeah. so all those guys at, at Bucksy's and it, it, it was uh, it was a pleasure. And then you you were at uh, you were at O'Connor signing, yeah. were you not? Yeah, for Easton. So, yeah. yeah, and kind of ran that. So uh, <laughs> nice, nice. So, yeah. Hey, when we come back, yeah, we got man, we're going long. When we come back, we, uh, but Mark, there's a lot of time that since we've last been I, on, I know, and a and lot of news. We got to save some stuff for next week. Okay, all right, we've got more coming right up.
If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. This next segment sponsored by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the Midshore for over 120 years, convenient online and in-person banking. Plus, they've got money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. They now have a branch in Cambridge. Yes, right there at Maryland Avenue and Dorchester. So... Go ahead. Oh, no, I know. We, we were just talking off air about things to cover next week and, and what we have left this week. There was one thing I wanted to bring up, but go ahead. We'll All get right. to it. So next week on the podcast, yeah, uh, we are going to talk about the scheduling for the uh, uh, for the Bayside High School mm-hmm. football teams. Um, and we'll also get into uh, um, the power poll. The, the power poll more because we're going to release the power poll <laughs> Um, when you're hearing this, you'll be able to go to shoresportsmd.com and uh, and find the power poll. Uh, it'll be up so that you can uh, follow along and and, and see um, you know how Mike broke down and I mean he he wrote a book to describe why he broke it down the way he did. Um, but that's just so that you don't send him hate mail, um, <laughs> you know, so that you understand where his thought process was. So I've seen Mark, it. Mark would have just said, "Just Mike, just put it out there." But <laughs> people are going to think what they're going to want to think, or th- think what they want to think. Yeah. Pretty, pretty so, much, pretty yeah. much. But so, there were some pretty good capsules, right? I, yeah, I, no, I, I worked agree. hard on that. No, you yeah. did. You did a good job. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. The season ended back yeah. on December second. Well, so to that to that end, and I, I really do apologize. I should have had that out before the end of the year. And, and to be honest, uh, last year with all the work responsibilities, Mark, it really kicked my backside, I and I. I I got overloaded, frankly, and then I was able to take some time off before the holidays in the middle of the month, but I had to do a bunch of stuff around the house and, and get it decorated and cleaned and, and a bunch of other stuff done as well that that had to take priority over over time. No, we get it. So. And, I, and I think it gave you time to think more about what you were going to write. It did. It did. So. It did. Or, or reinforced what I thought. A little bit of both with that. Yeah. So that's 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 the thing. But it's, it's fine, too, because we've had so much that's come out since then. We had the state poll. We had all the awards. So it's actually good that it stretches things out a little bit um, in terms of the in terms of the content but I I do want to say real quick that when we did the awards several weeks ago yeah when we announced our first our our all Bayside awards all Bayside awards uh, my understanding from some rumblings on the street was that some folks thought that we did that just because we disagreed and and I don't even think that's the right way to characterize it but that we may have had some different thoughts that is in some cases with the um with the coaches selections some people thought that we did that our awards just to to be different or or to push back against the coaches and say you're wrong that's not right that's completely uh, opposite of of what actually is the case 
with this, this is going to be something we'll, we'll be doing for years down the line. This is a part of our content is doing our own selections. So this in no way was, boy, the coaches, we think the coaches really got it wrong. So we're going to do our own thing. That is not the case whatsoever yeah, here. In fact, I mean, a lot of thought went into yeah. our selections yeah. and, uh, you know, and our our one complaint that we had about the coaches uh, selections was there were too many of them, mm-hmm. you know, and we wanted to narrow it down. And, and because of that, there are some folks that didn't get, didn't make our list that made the coaches list. And that doesn't mean that we think less of that player. Right. It's just, we did a lot of research and, you know, talking to coaches and, and when you ask a coach who their best lineman is and they give you a name that wasn't even voted on, mm-hmm. you know, we have to we have to take that into consideration. Yeah, yeah. and, and look, know? some of the picks were not easy. Right. I, I know there's some thought on a couple of players I got some feedback off, off record about, and just because maybe the person that you would have liked to have been there wasn't there didn't mean that that player didn't get strong consideration that it wasn't a tough pick. Yeah. You know, just like the power pole, they're not easy to do all the time. And that doesn't mean that I didn't give strong consideration to this team or that team and, and this spot or that spot. So I hope people, you know, I, I want people to know that, you know, yeah, it's a lot of thought that goes into it and it doesn't mean it was easy by any stretch. Yeah, imagine. And it had nothing to do with your picks no, you know, as a coaches. No. It had everything to do with, with our thought yeah. I mean, I mean, we gave our opinions about a little bit about the the, the amount, the numbers, and right. all that. But that is what it is. We get it. Coaches want to push their players, and that's okay. That's a good thing because they care, you right. know. So we get that. But at the end of the day, that wasn't done um, in any way because we just out of the blue said, "Well, let's show the coaches on this one." That's yeah. not true. Um, but I did have one coach, Mark, that said. He really appreciated the fact that we actually did less in the way of numbers and liked our picks and and was very and I I was well thank you for the feedback because you know sometimes we get more negative feedback on these than positive so and you can send all your negative feedback to Mike <laughs> at shortsportsmd.com okay. because that's okay. Mike, Mike loves that stuff yeah, I do so, I do what means people are paying attention when they stop talking about you that's when you have to worry all right real quick this next segment sponsored by our friends at Perretmoy Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevens. Let Rick Perrett and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. Step away from that pain by calling Perrett Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. Well, since we last talked, we now have a national college football champion. Georgia blows TCU out of the water after TCU just you know beat a Michigan team yeah. that underperformed. They did, and it sounds like in some cases maybe they took TCU too lightly. I can't I can't imagine that after they lost to Georgia in the semi last year, but they did. Hats off to TCU. Uh, they 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 took care of business against Michigan. Yeah. They did, and uh, of course it should have been Alabama in that game. But uh, you know, <laughs> hey, it's next year we'll get the we're expanding. The playoffs, so um, nah, two years in, from now. Two years from yeah, now. one okay. one more for you. Uh, one more four team playoff. That okay, is. so yeah. we'll we'll see how that works out. Mm-hmm. But uh, congratulations, Georgia, uh, victorious there. They and, were the uh, best. They were the best team uh, of, of those four. Like even if Michigan wins, I, I I they still beat Michigan. Although Ohio State gave them uh, gave them a fit. Didn't hey, they? look, they did. <laughs> Harrison doesn't get hurt. That game could be different. And don't forget, uh, Jigma Smith was out most of the year. I mean, they lacked another five star receiver that could have been on the field there um in the fourth quarter. 
border. So, yeah. yeah. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, before we take a look at the pros, we want to thank Hook Optics, the sunglass provider. They now have a new model out, Mike, and I think I'm going to get that model. Would you like to purchase my? current hook sunglasses that i have when i get that new model well, i actually have an eye appointment there in a oh. week from tuesday okay so i will be there let me see what they all say about my eyes yeah. and all that but i will certainly consider it but i will be uh, in centerville on the uh, 31st for an appointment yes hook optics a great sunglass line you got to mm. check them out they're at an optical gallery of three locations to serve you in the teal marsh plaza in west ocean city west water mm-hmm. street in downtown centerville and on Harrison Street in downtown Easton. They are amazing. Uh, and uh, you can check them out at hookoptics.com or check out eyesandart.net as well as uh, they are my official eye care provider and so that I can see the field on and, Friday And me nights. too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yep. Um, so you have that. Um, National Football League, um, the wild card weekend that just happened. Of course, we're recording this on Monday, so we don't know yet what the final score is going to be when Tampa beats Dallas. Uh, hopefully, this <laughs> hopefully this ages well. Um, but uh, coming from a Commanders fan, right? Coming yeah. from a Commanders fan. Um, but uh, wow, Jacksonville. Lawrence goes. Trevor Lawrence goes and thinks that he's playing for the Chargers, throwing four interceptions, right. including like three <laughs> of the first six passes he threw. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, and then rallies the team and comes back from twenty-seven down mm-hmm. to beat the Chargers, and now they'll head to Kansas City. What a crazy game that was! Uh, it's it's certainly well a tale of two halves, a tale yeah. of two halves, and boy uh, for the Chargers, boy, you're you're going to be sitting on that all all season. Yeah, Ugh. no doubt. And then of course uh, uh, Buffalo almost losing to Miami. Uh, you know that that's unconscionable that a third string quarterback that they allowed that to happen at home with the defense Buffalo has that that should not have been that close. And then of course uh, Buffalo now going to host Cincinnati, mm-hmm. who. Uh, th- th- Cincinnati beat the Ravens Sunday night in a game that, you know, when you look at the last minute and a half, you wonder, did Baltimore want to win that? I mean, hell, they even... There's still a timeout that they could sell somebody for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I, I mean, more quickly with that. Uh, first off, I, I give Tyler Huntley credit. He battled. He he made some productive plays, but there's no excuse for him going over the top. Really, it was a third, and, and it was a long one. It really felt like two. The play call did not call for him to do what he did. He had blockers there to push him. He, that was risky, and it was reckless, and it hurt him. And why was J.K. Dobbins not on the field? He has right. come out today and and talked about that or last night last after night, the yeah. game yeah. and yeah. said, you know, I, I deserve to be on the field. Mark, I was your playmaker. Mark, you're absolutely correct. And no qualms. And then you just mentioned uh, or referenced the, the time management situation at the end. And as I've said, I'll, I'll separate for a second timeouts and time management. But the bottom line is huddling twice the way they did to eat up so much time uh, with uh, two minutes or so uh, left in the ball game that was uh, absolutely you know it's it's uh i say uncalled for but you just can't have that but they've had time management issues like that offensively all season long i'm okay with lamar sitting out lamar jackson the quarterback sitting out of the contest because if his knee's swollen you don't want to play and risk your career or having to sit out next year because of it my problem with lamar comes in the fact that he didn't even make the trip to Cincinnati to support his team, is he gone? Not necessarily, but my question is, and I haven't seen anything yet, did the team 
ask him not to come, you know, from a physical standpoint for whatever reason? Was it not good for him to come on the airplane? I don't know. I he haven't seen other that. games. <laughs> um, he did. I don't know if he was at the away games. I know it was at yeah. some of the home games. But um, I, I just want to have that question answered, though. Right. But if it's the case that he was given a decision and he could go either way and he decided not to, yeah, that's a that's a really bad look. And I, I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't have been there. So I, you got me. But no, I talking to some people I know, they still feel like there's a path that they can – turn things around, franchise him, make some changes and go forward. But is it 100% or 80% that he's back next year? No, I, I'd put it at maybe a 60-40 a that he's back next year. Is there a coach that loses their job this offseason in the next week or For two? For the Ravens or head coach? For the Ravens. I do think uh, Greg Roman as offense coordinator is out. I don't think there's any question about that. He got a second reprieve because of all the injuries, or he got a reprieve because of all the injuries last year. But this year, um, again, you're seeing a lot of the the same issues and really a lack of creativity. And the one thing I'll say is the Ravens, they tried to surround Jackson with wide receiver talent by drafting and developing. That's never been their strength. And you can't give up on it, but they really needed to at least get him one free agent wide receiver and they didn't do that, and uh, they're paying the price for it now. So there you go. There's our wrap-up with uh, college football and uh, professional football. It'll be interesting. Uh, a shout-out to the Giants. I actually cheered for them to beat Minnesota. and uh, for and the NFC did. East. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So now they'll go uh, on Saturday. They'll play at uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. So. I, I just – Kirk Cousins, and I think he realized it. How in the world do you check that pass down there to yeah. a guy that – it was a three or four yard when you needed, what, eight or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Uh, how in the world do you do that? And why are you running a route that short necessarily um, – but regardless, you you got to throw somebody else right. beyond the sticks, and he didn't do it. No, nope, he didn't. But uh, exciting! I, I feel like this is a year where it's wide open. Yeah, you. San Francisco was impressive, and I think that's going to be your NFC representative. Mm. But on the AFC, I mean, you're looking at Jacksonville, Kansas City, Buffalo, and who's the other one? Um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You have those four. And neither one of those four teams have been consistent all year long. Yeah, they, they've 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 all had their issues. It seems like maybe the team you favor a little bit in in the AFC is KC. Uh, the thing about Cincinnati that would just worry me is their offensive line issues yeah. with all the injuries that they've endured there. But they've got the quarterback, they got the receivers. But you, you, to your point, Mark, yeah, it does feel like it's more wide open this year. Could um, we see Trevor Lawrence in the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, anything's possible. I I, I I tend to think I tend to think not. Uh, but I think what will be interesting, though, you mentioned San Francisco, so that means that potentially they have to go and win at Philadelphia. Right. And the San Francisco defense is really good, but that Eagles offense can both run and pass very effectively. It's a home game for the Eagles. That'll be a tough and task. San Francisco has had yeah. trouble defending the long pass. Yeah, and, and that, so. that's a tough that's a tough ask there. You'd have to favor the Eagles, although defense travels. Um, and, and Purdy's a great story, but you have to wonder at some point, will him being a third string and a rookie, will that show itself at some point? Right. Will his wheels fall off? You know, they just they, they run a kind of offense that because they run the football well and they've got a good coach and schemed up, it, it, it really 
is quarterback friendly. I don't think they put as much pressure on him as they might with a different kind of offense. I agree with you. It'll be interesting. Make sure you join us next week right here. Time out with Shore Sports. We'll we'll run a couple of weeks in a row. Maybe even yeah. start talking some high school basketball yeah, along absolutely. the way as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, we also want to get uh, uh, Isaiah Taylor on with us yep. and uh, talk with him uh, from Why High. And, of course, uh, we'll continue to uh, uh, next week. We're going to talk high school football with schedules for 2023 and the mm-hmm. way it's all going to work out. And uh, we'll also get into uh, the new law, the new rule that came down uh, allowing camps. Right. And, uh, in fact, we already did an interview. Uh, I did anyway with uh, Dan Harding uh, from Ken Island High School, who is the athletic director there and also leads all the athletic directors in the Bayside. And we talked about that. If you go to shoresportsmd.com on those video sliders there that are at the top, go back a couple and you'll see that interview uh, with Dan and you can check it out there. And I think it's also on our Overtime Live page at shoresportsmd.com as well. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. Thanks to you for listening. And, Mike, Happy New Year. It's good to get back here together. Yeah, you too. A lot of news. I was busting at the seams to get in and and talk. So, uh, yeah, Happy New Year, and uh, look forward to next week. Enjoy the podcast. Feel free to share and uh, let folks know where they can find it. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week right here. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another Time Out soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.